Welcome to episode three of Advanced Scout, your favorite podcast about clutch baseball, a card game that's actually a board game about a ball game. I'm Paul Seeley, manager of the FedWeezy Fusion. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that Clutch has a Discord, and it is awesome. Chat about the game, play games, check out cool team building resources, talk about not politics, we have it all. Come join us. A link to the Discord will be in the description of this podcast. The 2020 Clutch Polar Power season is underway. But what does polar power mean exactly? Are we pretending to play at the North Pole? Because if so, what are we doing to stop climate change? We won't be able to do this for much longer if we don't. It'll be the high heat season and the surface temperature literally too hot for humans to survive season. Or does it mean like polar power? Like voting at polls has power? Because if it's that, I don't know how we do this every year. I'm as much of an advocate for voting in local elections as anyone, but that seems like a strange theme to build a baseball card game, board game league from. Besides, I'm pretty sure polls have already closed, and if we count anything afterwards, we're plotting to overthrow the government. So either this whole league is a secret coup, or maybe it's the global warming thing. I'm not sure. Either way, with polar power upon us, it's a great opportunity to look at team builds and talk about what they mean for how we look at the clutch baseball meta. One team archetype that seems to have popped up a lot is one where lots of points are spent on starting pitchers, also known as a power pitching or a power rotation team. The roster I'd like to take a look at in detail is the roster of the San Diego Armada, which I like a lot and I will later compare it to similar takes on the archetype. For a stadium, he plays in San Diego, which grants plus one to the pitch roll when the game is tied or the defense is losing. San Diego pitchers get minus one to the swing when they have the advantage. This part makes sense for a big rotation team because of the way a big rotation team is supposed to work. If you're running elite starting pitchers, you're probably logging yourself in to a close ball game since you will likely have a relatively weak lineup to score few runs, and you'll have the elite pitchers to prevent runs. For that reason, Armada is more likely to find himself in a 0-0 tie for a longer period of time than a normal game would, which gives both him and his opponent the stadium bonus. It also works as an equalizer if he falls behind by a run early on, giving him the opportunity to catch back up. Given that's where he's spending all of his points, let's start by looking at the starting rotation. Mr. Armada spent 3,500 points there. He's rostering opening day Clayton Kershaw for 875 points, Juan Marichal for 830 points, High Heat Jake Arrieta for 815 points, Steven Strasburg for 605, and Zach Davis for 375. Obviously, the odd one out here is Davis, so let's just talk about him real quick. As Davis is a starting pitcher 5, he will not have to pitch in the playoffs as a starter, but he also makes use of the home stadium bonus, so in a playoff scenario, he makes sense as an option to take advantage of that. Because he won't be pitching full-time in the playoffs, Armada doesn't want to go over the top with spending on him, so in the three days that Davis does pitch, Armada will likely be a bit short-staffed and will have to find some innings, possibly with duct tape and some glue, 
but it's probably salvageable. Let's talk about the other four. Kershaw, Marichal, High Heat Arietta, and Strasburg. One important thing they all have in common is the K icon. This is important for Armada for a few reasons. First, the strategy card that benefits the most from having elite starting pitchers is Dialed In, which is a defensive common momentum card that triggers after a strikeout. Dialed In grants plus two to every pitch, but goes away once the pitcher loses the advantage. Additionally, if the pitcher has the K icon, every out is a strikeout. The plus two to the pitch is a more tangible benefit, but getting the automatic strikeouts is super nice. It prevents runners from advancing on ground balls and fly balls, and it makes the outs much harder to overturn, because cards like High Chopper and Failure to Communicate and Launch Angle won't work. Second, there's a decent amount of good draw synergies with the K icon. Strong Side and High and Tight are both decent effects on their own, and give you a card when you play them. You can use five copies of them, so you can fill one-tenth of your deck with those if you're headed in that direction. Alternatively, there are also plenty of good cards that synergize with a variety of pitching icons, the K icon included. Another distinct feature of these four, other than all of them being very good, is that they all have few downsides to exploit. Three have a 25-plus home run, one has a 24-plus home run, and all have at least a 23 double, which means they will be very resistant to power die extra base hits, giving their opponent an easy run or two. All of them have high clutch except for Marichal, who still only has minus one, which is going to be difficult to exploit. Three of the four have no walks, to avoid tiring out too quickly, and the fourth only has one walk. One pitcher has eight innings, two of them have seven, and the fourth has six. This, combined with Master of Efficiency and Quality Start, is likely going to mean that, at the very least, the starting pitchers will cover 7 or 8 innings per game, with complete games being very frequent. This means that Armada can avoid paying for very many good relievers, and can save himself some points there. The reason these cards make sense is that Armada is thinking about the win condition of his team. He completely stifles his opponents, and finds a few runs somewhere to keep a lead. Using these pitchers, for example, instead of Justin Verlander, makes sense, because Verlander has a 23-plus home run, which could make him very exploitable if your opponent tries to hit a couple of home runs with the power die on his chart. It's an obvious weakness to exploit, and Armada's entire plan is to win, like, 3-0, probably. It's like building a Death Star with a ventilation shaft that is conveniently sized to fit a torpedo that can blow the entire thing up. Next, let's look at the bullpen. Armada has six relievers that cost 50 points. Those are just players to fill those slots. He doesn't want to use them. His two relievers of consequence are Ken Giles and Brian Flynn. Ken Giles is there to pitch an inning in a high leverage situation when his starter can only pitch eight innings. Giles has five command, plus one command versus lefties, has 18 outs, 22 to 23 double, and 24 home run, with plus three clutch. This, like the starters, is fairly good at avoiding too many exploitable weaknesses. The positive clutch prevents cards like Full Count and Battle of Nerves swinging the game late, and if Armada is planning to win a lot of games 3-0, he will probably see a lot of clutch moments. It also allows for some cards like Bear Down and Ice in Their Veins to work, if Armada wants the flexibility to be able to deck those. The other reliever, Brian Flynn. He, on the other hand, has minus two clutch, 
4 command with plus 1 command versus lefties, has 15 outs, a 21 double, a 25 plus home run, which is nice, and most importantly, 2 innings pitched. Flynn is here to eat innings should something go wrong. If Armada doesn't find any of his master proficiencies, he needs someone to pitch the 6th and 7th if Davis only goes 5. He needs someone to pitch the 7th and 8th if Strasburg goes 6. So Armada is betting that most of the time, he won't have to resort to Flynn. Most of the time, he'll get his masters of efficiency and his quality start. And that's probably a good bet to make, considering how much draw he will have available to him. He just has Flynn in case he needs a stopgap. Hopefully Flynn doesn't have to be relied upon. But he could get lucky and not give up anything either, because he's not horrendous. And once the playoffs come, he can just use Davis for this role. An underrated aspect of building a big pitching team is how you build your lineup. Pitching is the strength of your team. But as my mentor, John Madden, once said, you can only win if you score more than your opponent. So, building a successful offense on a budget is crucial. After you log in on the pitching, Armada has 1,855 points to build a lineup and bench that can score a few runs. Let's look at what he has. The standouts in pricing are Phil Nevin for 355, Ryan Braun for 295, Will Myers for 250, Miguel Sano for 195, and Scooter Jeanette for 180. Below that tier, he has Billy Hamilton for 125 and Christian Arroyo for 100. For his final two spots, he has two platoons: a platoon with Ronald Guzman for 85 and Pat Valaika for 50, and a platoon of Greg Allen and Taylor Ward both 50 points. He will have a 10 infield versus righties and a 7 infield versus lefties and a 9 outfield versus righties and lefties with a catcher defense of 7. Because of the limited budget, you can't really build an offense that's super versatile and good against everything. Because if Armada tries to build a versatile lineup, it really won't be able to emphasize any of its strengths too much. With this in mind, Armada clearly built his team around players with low on-base but fantastic charts. His philosophy here is that if his pitching is strong enough to prevent runs, he can either get lucky on mistake pitches a couple of times a game, or have reactive offensive strategy cards to take advantage of any opening that luck gives him. He didn't worry too much about having a high defense, just has an adequate one, which is just fine because the starters will be striking everyone out with Dialden anyway. Billy Hamilton is a sole speedy player, which actually works really well because you don't really need more than one target for slap hit anyway. If he gets on first, he's very likely to steal second and immediately be able to score in a single. There's a good chance that Hamilton won't be throwing away that shot. Other than Hamilton, it's all low on base, mediocre speed, great chart guys. Some numbers here. Armada has six batters not named Billy Hamilton who are everyday starters. Nevin, Braun, Myers, Sano, Jeanette, and Arroyo. Three of those players have five batters chart outs. The other three have four batters chart outs. Five of them double at 16. The other doubles at 15. Five of them over at 19. The sixth triples at 19 and homers at 20. Armada will likely have matchups mainly against teams that emphasize hitting or teams that emphasize pitching, 
Some will be more balanced, but usually their strats will lean one way or the other. Against a hitting team, Armada is poised to take advantages against pitchers with high mistake pitch ranges, because a mistake pitch is just as deadly on Miguel Sano's chart as it is on Cody Ballinger's chart. Against other big pitching teams, Armada is looking to leverage his rotation if he can. He has some of the best possible starters, so he may out-rotation some similar teams. On offense, Billy Hamilton gives him a nice little wrinkle against big pitching teams to try to sneak a run in during what will inevitably be a very low-scoring game. Between those two ends of the spectrum, Armada will be likely trying to leverage whatever leverage makes more sense, depending on which end his opponent is closer to. The biggest danger to Armada, in theory, would be an identical big rotation team that emphasized high on base in the lineup. Those batters would be more likely to get dialed in off of his starters and find a rally somewhere. I don't think that kind of lineup is nearly as effective as the type of lineup Armada runs. I think his lineup would just be better. I think cards that are cheaper and have high on base just kind of suck. So then the next best option would be a hitting team with low mistake range pitchers. A hitting team wants to try to stop that starter from playing master of efficiency at quality start, because the bullpen behind that starter is weak. So a hitting team would look for walks, which can be useful, a consistent lineup that is less likely to go 1-2-3, and specific plays like tipping their pitches to remove those cards from the hand. Tipping their pitches is a nice card in this situation, because if Armada has a 1-2-3 inning, and he does not play Master of Efficiency, you know that he doesn't have it. If he's gone a few innings without an opportunity to play it, if he's played Advanced Scout once or twice, there's a pretty good chance he does have it. Let's look at the strategy cards Armada will likely be using in this deck, and what a power rotation team should be using in general. Cards that help with pitching. Dialed in is the most obvious one here. Common momentum card, plus do the pitch until your pitcher loses advantage. It's the main reason that this archetype works, in my opinion. Master of efficiency and quality start are also mandatory here, due to how reliant this team is on not reaching the bullpen. Defend the throne, heroes get remembered, and get your game on are obvious choices when they can be played on the starting pitcher. If they have multiple icons for Heroes Get Remembered and Defend the Throne, and if they have the All-Star icon for Get Your Game On. Considering the high clutch of most of his starters, Bear Down and Payoff Pitch are excellent cards to get yourself out of a tight spot in a clutch moment. Clean Cleats is excellent considering four starters have an icon. San Diego is also a great stadium for empty real estate, where it gives minus three to the swing. Generally speaking, you want to be fairly selective with the single-use cards. You can save those cards for the very high leverage at bats where you can guarantee their usefulness. Clean cleats and empty real estate do that somewhat automatically. Because clean cleats is played before the swing as opposed to before the pitch, you can wait until you lose the advantage on a chart you really not like to see the high end of. Because empty real estate has to be played with a runner on base, you're naturally going to be inclined to save that for the best possible moments for the minus three to prevail. Also, use Heartbreaker and Not So Fast and Deja Vu because they're good, and they're just good. I think those would be the most likely to see cards that are single use and are used mainly to prevent runs. 
cards that might get considered on a case-by-case -case basis. Splitter is nice if you anticipate a pitcher's chart extra base hit to be fairly possible and potentially game-swinging, as it turns those into singles. If you know your opponent is super reliant on those, or if you're playing in a stadium that adds to the swing, such as Boston, Colorado, or New York A, Probably closer to a must-stack if you didn't purposefully rush your pitchers with a 23 or 24 double like Armada did. A head in the count, which negates a power die on the pitcher's chart, is always a solid card to try to prevent you from getting blown up by a million power dies, especially in New York A Stadium. As is Fooled Them, which is a momentum card you play on your opponent's hitter after a batter's chart out that denies power die swings from that player until they get on base. Plus, that hitter has minus two to all swings on the pitcher's chart if your pitcher has the hold, K, or W icons, the latter two being very abundant for Armada. Pitcher's Count is less of a guaranteed denial of power die, as you have to play it before the pitch, and you only stop the power die if you get the advantage. It does, however, turn all outs into strikeouts, which is very useful for getting dialed in in play, which requires a strikeout. Ice in their veins would absolutely be something to consider as well, given that Armada is using a lot of high-clutch pitchers. He expects the games to be fairly low-scoring, which means lots of clutch moments, and you can deny a power die and add to the pitch roll at the same time with it. Finally, ducking the batter is an excellent card to stop Babe Ruth from hitting. Nuff said. I've talked before about how drawing is really important for a consistent strat deck and consistent wins. I would expect no different from this team. First, Armada is using Aaron Boone. That's a no-brainer. You get to draw at least two cards, likely at least three cards, in the first inning and immediately have more answers to things and also be able to start your draw engine. Of course, Full Monty is very useful in this deck. First and foremost, you get to look at the top five cards of your deck and pick which pile of cards you value the most. Usually this means at least two cards, or if it's one, it's a very good one card. Also very useful, as you can prioritize finding the cards that you need at the time. Grabbing that Master of Efficiency is always a high priority, as would be a dialed in. So if you need one of those, you can always play Full Monty to try and find one. Along the same lines, Advanced Scout is amazing for finding those cards when you need them. Put three cards in your deck, and draw three new ones. If you do that a couple of times, you're fairly likely to find at least one Master of Efficiency. I use Full Monty and Advanced Scout in all of my decks, though, and we've already talked about Heartbreaker and Master of Efficiency, which also let you draw, so let's get to the less obvious ones. I talked early on about High End Tight and Strong Side being great for drawing. I consider them more draw cards than defense cards, because you aren't really playing them for their effects, and you just happen to get a draw. You play them for both. Strong Side gives you a power die pitch. It's not nothing, but it's not great either. High and tight gives you minus 2 to your command in exchange for minus 2 to the swing. This is a net benefit for you, but you do have better effects in your decks. You deck these because the effects do help you a little bit, and they give you an extra free card. I don't consider down and away here, which is the opposite of high and tight, giving you plus 2 command in exchange for plus 2 to the swing, 
because that effect actually harms you. Another important card to this is better luck next time. Play it after a 1-2-3 inning, and you get to look at the top card of your deck and decide to discard it or not, and then draw one card. So you get to cycle for free, and you get to thin your deck if the card you draw is fine but not very important. Win-win. And because you're playing a pitching team, you can expect plenty of 1-2-3 innings. Oh, did I mention that this is a neutral too? So not only are you likely to have a 1-2-3 inning on defense because you have strong pitching, you're more likely to have one on offense because you have a weaker lineup, after which you can play this card too. And you get three copies of it in your deck. It's kind of amazing. A card I may consider in this kind of deck is 10th Man. It's a momentum card that you have to discard a card to play before the start of a half inning when the score is tied but you get to draw two cards between half innings until the game is no longer tied. Considering you expect this to be a low-scoring affair, there's a huge payout if you get this thing to stick for a long time on a 0-0 score early. Finally, let's talk offense. Even though this is a pitching-focused team, you need offensive cards. If you run all defensive cards, they will get stuck in your hand, or you'll be playing them way more often than you need to. And most importantly, you'll have no way to generate offense. You'll find yourself losing 1-0 a lot. And that's depressing. Keep the identity we discussed earlier in mind. This lineup does not work well proactively. You don't have the firepower to throw out a bunch of offensive cards as soon as you have the option to play them and expect good results. You have to wait until you find yourself in a good position and then use them. With that in mind, my first four most important cards are Squared It Up, On Deck Circle, Frozen Rope, and Flags Flying Out. All of these cards are played before the swing, meaning that you know the exact scenario in which these cards are getting used. Squared It Up allows you to add plus two or power die to a roll on your chart in exchange for a discard. The cost is high, but because you get to play it reactively, it's an amazing card. On deck circle you can play before any swing, so you get to play it before a swing on your batter's chart, and if your batter gets on base, the next batter gets a power die, and they get a power die with a runner on base. Frozen Rope gives you a power die whenever you want. Can't beat that. Flags Flying Out is a really nice card too. It gives you a power dice swing on the pitcher's chart, and you have to discard an extra card only if you get a hit with it. The reason is it's so valuable is that you're going to be on the pitcher's chart a lot, and Flags Flying Out does not care how good or bad your batter is, and you can save it until you have a runner in scoring position to try and bring them in with a pitcher's chart hit. Give yourself control to play these at the right moment. A card I would also consider for this team is Pull the Ball. It takes any wonk or hit and re-rolls it with the power die. Because all of Armada's batters have low batter's chart outs, it's a fairly low risk to play that on a batter's chart single or walk to try and turn it into something better. The downside is that your batter has to have the opposite handedness of the pitcher, which limits it a lot sometimes. 
Slightly more proactive plays that I would recommend here are ribeye steak and see it clearly. You have to play them before the pitch, so you do have a little bit less control over where they end up, but they're pretty consistent, you can save them for crucial at-bats, and they give you the power die, which is awesome. I don't know if you've noticed that trend, but power dies are awesome. A proactive card I would also consider here is Slap Hit, just to get Billy Hamilton on base and in scoring position. Given your lineup, he'll probably see a lot of at-bats with the bases empty, and bypassing the pitch to get a hit if your opponent's infield can't throw around a speed 24 hitter is a great trade. There are only two other teams with lineups below 2,000 points in the Polar Power League, the Panthers and the Nuts. So let's take a look at those rosters to compare different takes on the same concept. The Nuts went even further in on pitching than Armada, leaving only 1,270 points for the lineup and the bench, compared to the 1,855 points that Armada had. For that extra 600 points, the Nuts lower their rotation by 500 points in order to have an elite bullpen on top of a rotation of over 3,000 points. He keeps the O.D. Kershaw and Strasburg, but rather than the high price points of Marichal and Haiheat Arrieta, Nuts has Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer, with Matthew Boyd as his cheaper home team fifth starter of choice. His bullpen, however, has Josh Hader, Koji Uehara, and Seth Lugo, three of the best relievers in the game. He also has more adequate backup in David McKay, Buck Farmer, Scott Barlow, and Steven Tarpley, where Armada has a bunch of 50-point guys who suck. I think by doing this, Nuts guarantees that he will not be as dependent on drawing master of efficiency and quality start as Armada, but he sacrifices a lot in exchange for that. His rotation and his lineup are worse, and his bullpen will often go unused. Some games, five innings from the bullpen will be necessary, and in other games, no innings will be necessary. This means that inevitably, if he wants his bullpen to be able to fill the games in which he needs five innings from it, his bullpen will have to be more prepared than needed on the days where the bullpen never gets called. His lineup is, I think, the biggest casualty. The 600-point difference between these two lineups is huge. Nuts has a lineup of Max Stassi, Ronald Guzman, Scott Kingery, Orlando Arcia, Jacoby Jones, Kevin Kiermeyer, Anthony Santander, and Ryan O'Hearn. He prioritized having a high defense over good hitting. I think that's a mistake, because four of his starters and every starter in the playoffs will have a strikeout on every at-bat with dialed in in play. Additionally, these batter's charts are all filled with high batter's chart outs. That means it's a lot harder to play reactively with cards like on base, circle, and squared it up, because even if you use those cards, there's a much higher chance that they fail. I don't consider this trade-off to be worth the benefit of never being at risk of running out of pitchers, because while Almada will probably run into that during the season, it'll only be once or twice. The Panthers have a team with a lineup extremely similar in identity to Armada's, a 2,055 total offense that is largely revolving around low on base and excellent charts. Plus Juan Soto, because he plays in Washington. Victor Caratini, 
Derek Dietrich, Scooter Jeanette, Ty France, Tyler O'Neill, Yasiel Puig, and Miguel Sano. All fit within that identity. And there's a few of those cards on both teams. The main difference between these two comes in how they spent their salary on pitching. Armada spent 3500 on the rotation and 645 on the bullpen, whereas the Panthers spent 2560 on the rotation and 1385 on the bullpen. Like the Nuts, this means that the Panthers will be much less reliant on master of efficiency and quality start. The sacrifice he makes is for less elite starters. Instead of Marichal and Arietta and O.D. Kershaw, the Panthers have Scherzer, Marco Gonzalez, and Julio Urias, while having Strasburg as one of his top two starters instead of the fourth best for Armada. And he gets Honorable Sanchez as the filler for a home team pitcher that's fairly cheap but still decent. These are pitchers that are decent, but are not airtight. Scherzer has a 21 double, Marco has 16 outs, Urias has four innings, though I think Urias is amazing, but that's a separate topic. So while Armada is planning to win 3-0 or 3-1, Panthers don't expect to pitch a shutout, but they still expect fairly low-scoring games. The trade-off being made here is that the Panthers will be a little bit more vulnerable to strategy cards played specifically to exploit those weaknesses. But in exchange, he has Sean Doonlittle and Kenley Jansen to deploy in the highest of leverage situations, and a deep bullpen to guarantee that he doesn't run out of pitchers. I think it can be reasonably argued that there are only so many of those strategy cards that can hurt you anyway, and you'd rather have that than the possibility of running out of pitchers and your entire team blowing up in your face. Especially when you're in a playoff series, if the unlikely occurs in a small sample like that, it can knock you out of the playoffs, because one game in the regular season is very different than one game in a five-game series. Well, there you have it. That's how you do, and how we tend to do, power pitching and polar power. Thanks for listening, and I hope you found this informative. Now, if only I can figure out how Clutch is supposed to stop global warming. I get it. We stopped burning cards for no reason.